That's it. I want you to open up your Bible. There might be one in the book rack there or on your seat. If there's not, you can uh, turn on your Bible app and turn to Exodus chapter 3. And I'm going to look at a passage that I haven't uh, preached on in about six years. Something I'm uh, pretty... uh, When we started the church nine years ago, when, when I dreamed of what God would do, if you would have told me nine years later, there would be as many people as are here worshiping in three different locations, that our ninth birthday would be opening up a fourth church for Mercy Road. I think it's number 16 for Multiply Indiana. I, I, I really want to encourage you. I'm just a guy from a small town in Indiana. I lived in Southern California for seven years, met my wife out there. We moved back here because God called us. And, and if you would have told me this was possible, I didn't have a vision for that. See, the, the presence of God in what he does and what he, his power is able to do in our lives is real. And that's really the heart of what I want to focus on. If you're new to our church, we said every year we have a theme. We said this year is the year of worship. And um, I didn't really understand that at the time. I thought this is going to be the year of evangelism because this was, we're starting all these locations. And I realized, I told our staff this week that with everything that has happened this year, the most powerful thing we can do to fight back. Be, be, you know, activism is great. Uh, being involved in the community is great. Sharing the gospel is a, an incredible tool. But I want to tell you, I believe the most powerful thing we could do is to acknowledge the presence of God and worship him in our midst. Because when we do that, it, it changes the perspective of everything in our lives. It brings unity where there seems to be division. It brings transformation where there seems to be plateauing. And that would be my heart for me, for all of us here today, that we might actually experience that. Are you ready to study God's word together, church? See, we're going to look at Exodus 3. Moses, you guys all know Moses, right? He parts the Red Sea. He sees all these miracles. Don't you want to see the power of God in your life like Moses saw? Yeah. I mean, just be sitting there eating your bowl of Cheerios in the morning, part that just to show off to your family. I mean, think of the power and the authority that God demonstrated in Moses' life. And yet, I would actually say that Moses wasn't too different than you and me in some ways. Do you know that before Moses parts the Red Sea and sees the ten plagues and all the crazy, amazing stuff that God brings and and does in his life, and they, you know, get to go to the promised land one day, all those things, he actually uh, uh, murdered someone in Egypt? He was protecting a Hebrew person, but he was somebody that had some brokenness in his own life. And he flees to the desert out of fear. And he's brought in by a family there, and he begins to encounter God here in Exodus chapter 3. And it's what I would love to to study together. It says this in the first six verses of Exodus 3. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro one of my favorite names in the Bible, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord, can you picture it, appeared to him in flames of fire. You've heard the story of the burning bush. From within a bush, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals. 
For the place you are now standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Moses encounters the very real presence. Uh, Scholars will refer to this as a theophany, where the presence of God is made known to Moses there in this bush that doesn't burn up. This is a crazy, crazy, miraculous thing. Imagine that the presence of God was right before you, speaking to you through a bush. See, what I want you today is to understand that because of the New Testament, because Jesus was crucified, atoning for our wrongdoing, all the mistakes, all the brokenness, all the shame that you have committed, are committing, will commit, that if you repent and turn to him, not only will you be forgiven, you could be transformed and made right with a perfect God. And he didn't just, wasn't just crucified, he rose on the third grave, overcoming death itself, that anybody who knows Jesus could spend eternal life with him in heaven and experience his Holy Spirit today, that we're never alone again. His presence is with us right now. See, what I want to do is, through Exodus 3, I want us to embrace the God of the living. Can we do that? It's really simple. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to do some fun stuff this morning that uh, we haven't done in a long time, and I'm pretty pumped about it. Will you pray with me? God, we pause in the middle, hearing the, the light sound of cars on Keystone Avenue on a Sunday morning here in Carmel, Indiana. God, we've, all these people have come together in a parking lot to study your word, to hear from you. We pray that you would speak uh, not only to our minds, but to our very spirit and soul. That you would transform our way of thinking about you. That as Pastor Greg said, the the presence of your Holy Spirit here would be tangible. And that we might respond to what you're doing, not in the past, not in the future, but what you're doing right now today. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. Amen. Uh, Before I get into this, I wanted to pause. Can we thank the team for putting all of this together this morning? I mean, it's a huge ordeal. They've done an incredible job, been here early to, to do all of this. Um, I, I love being able to do things different. We have never done a live online service outdoors. Plus, it sounds like we're in a stadium, doesn't it? It's like, uh, you know, up next, batting number nine, Eric Maitland. You know, that's what I feel like today. Number nine, that was a short joke in case, you know, nine years of making short jokes about Eric. Did anybody catch that when he said, uh, you know, this is a short-lived movement and things? I, I caught that. I don't know if anybody else caught that. But, you know, I look at the many years I've had uh, with Eric and our team and the ways we have seen God show up. You know, when we started this church, we, we met in this, uh, in my home, but then we eventually launched officially in Clay Middle School here in Carmel. And I remember uh, we tried all these really fancy things in those days. We just thought, man, we are going to be good at this thing. And none of it worked. None of it worked. And then every time something would go wrong or something that we hadn't planned, but we prayed more, God would show up and we would see him do things that we didn't think possible. You know, this horse trough down here, we haven't done baptisms in this, I don't believe, since we moved into this building. We used to use this at the little building we leased off of College Avenue. It's got chlorine in it today. It's nice, nice and healthy, but we're going to have, it started this morning, we were going to have one baptism. Uh, I heard just now we're going to have two baptisms here this morning. 
And, and yeah, I'm going to be sharing a little bit at the end about what baptism represents. And I just want to tell you, you may have come today uh, with no intentions, but I believe there may be more of you here that need to respond to what God shows us in scripture and consider being baptized this morning. Because I want to ask you this question, are you spiritually alive? Spiritually alive. We're talking about the presence of God in our life. Do you feel like in 2020, with all the chaos and the anger and the animosity and the division and everything that's going on in our culture, society around us, that, that you are spiritually thriving? See, that's, I've been looking at my own life about what it means to be spiritually alive today. I believe that uh, spiritual uh, aliveness in our lives might look a little different than we think. Sometimes we think we're doing all right, but we haven't really reflected in a while, talked to the Lord in a while, how we're doing. You know, a number of years ago, some of you heard me share this story. Uh, I was with my kiddos and my family down in Florida for vacation. And I, we went to a spot where my parents took me growing up and there was this little area you could go to look for tiny crabs. You know what I'm talking about? Like little crabs that run around and kids can, you know, pick them up with a bucket and catch them and they think it's fun. Well, we see this huge crab. I pick up this giant rock and underneath it is this beautiful, like white and, and with hints of pink tones on it, this beautiful, humongous crab. My kids think it's the coolest thing in the world. And me, being concerned about the environment, I'm like, hey, we need to really protect the crab. You guys don't touch. This one's pretty big. We need to protect the crab. So I need to set the rock back down so that it would be on like it was so that no animals come and get him and he could be in the sand again just like it was. And then, dads, you know, you want to protect your children too. I didn't want anything bad to happen. So I tried to take the rock and let it down slowly, set it exactly as it was. Some of you see where this is going? The rock was a little bit, a lot of bit heavier than I thought it was. And my hands were a little wet. And don't judge me. I got it about halfway down and right on top of it. Now, you know, crabs are resilient, right? So I thought, oh man, my kids, they scream at the top of their lungs. I could tell my daughter is about to start crying. So I thought, man... I'm a horrible father. I need to show, you know, the crab's all right. He's resilient. You guys need to see it. And so then I was like, honey, you guys are skipping ahead. Honey, I, it's okay. He's, he's a strong crab. Look, everything's okay. What I saw underneath, no child's eyes should ever see. And then to make matters worse, I was so shocked. I dropped the rock again. My daughter starts crying. The kids are screaming, you killed him, dad. You killed him. You know, I, I, I mean this when I say that. When I was picking it back up, I really thought it would be alive again. See, I think Moses, when he's uh, encountering this bush... I think many Christians in the New Testament, I, I think many people in 21st century American, even suburban culture, we think that we are spiritually alive. And sometimes, I'm not telling you don't have salvation eternally, okay? So don't hear that. But sometimes we think we're doing all right spiritually, but if we really do some closer reflection, we might find out we're a little more spiritually dead than we thought, that we might even be a little shocked when we get to heaven to look back and see what our life was 
actually, I can't speak for you. I'm speaking for myself, reflecting on what this last year, this last nine months has been like, where you begin to go through the motions a little bit. And with COVID, we kind of bulldog down into our homes, stick our head in the sand because we were afraid, uh, not just of a virus, but we're afraid that with the anger and animosity in our culture, we just need to avoid civilization. Anybody been there? I want to talk today about what it means to be spiritually alive in Christ, even in the middle of this, that Moses and the Israelites were acutely aware after this moment with the burning bush that God was present with them. He was alive. And I believe we know from the New Testament that Jesus became God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. And that when he was crucified on the cross in the gospel of Matthew, the temple curtain is torn in two because the spirit of God no longer resides in a, a building in the most holy of holies in the Ark of the Covenant. But now his spirit resides in the lives of believers. That the physical body of Christ is no longer present because he ascended to the right hand of the Father. But we as the church, as Christians, if you consider yourself a Christian, represent his physical body today because the Holy Spirit is using us. That means that the body should be physically alive. And we've seen that. Do you realize we've had people give tens of thousands of dollars into the local community in the middle of COVID, feeding a number of people? We are working on ways to distribute uh, food once a month, even at our physical buildings and locations in the crisis that we're facing. We're looking for ways that we can live on mission to help people who are really hurting in different parts of the city, not just in suburban culture, but in rural and urban areas. And we want to see the body of Christ empowered to live out the mission of Jesus and that the church today is living and active and it is alive because the heart of it, the soul of it, the presence of it, it comes from our heavenly father, as pastor Greg mentioned. And so I want to talk today about what it means to be alive in Christ. And from the the Exodus chapter three with Moses, that some of us may awaken from our spiritual death. And you may feel like you could never be somebody that God could use. And I want to tell you that's alive from the pit of hell. That God created you on purpose and for a purpose and that there's no greater time in the history of humanity, at least in my lifetime, maybe not the history of humanity, but in my lifetime to live out the good news of Jesus than today. Amen. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to move quickly. The first point about God being alive in this passage that I'd like to share is that we need to stop hiding our face from God. Did you catch verse six there? It said this, it said, then he said, I am the, this is God. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses realizes who he is. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, I believe in the power and the authority of God, and this is a common thing you see in the Old and New Testament when the presence of God is there. You you can't even look at it, okay? But I also think there is something else going here that Moses knows he's not really the best man. He had overseen the murder of this man back in Egypt. And here now he is with the presence of the Almighty God right before him, and he has to hide his face from him out of shame. See, I think when he tells him to take the sandals off and he says this is holy ground, that for many of us, we miss the the good news of that. We often associate that today with things like a, a church service or in a building. But actually the presence of God, as I said, is in the lives of believers that he is with you wherever you go. So you are to walk with the power and the authority of almighty God before you. But I think 
a lot of us do the opposite. We hide our face like Moses. We're afraid of what he might do, what he might say to us, and we think we're not good enough and never going to be good enough, you know, and it's like a, I love that Moses tries to hide his face too. It's kind of like a child that's trying to hide from his parents. He's almighty God. He still sees you. And I wonder uh, for many of us that maybe you find yourself in a place this last year kind of falling away, playing hide-and-go-seek from your heavenly Father that rather than turning towards Him, we're, we're afraid of Him because we made some mistakes and we drank too much or we got in that bad relationship or we didn't respond well to COVID or we said some nasty things to our coworkers or we cheated on our taxes back in July or we found ways to separate us from God. And I want to tell you that I believe the power and the authority of God is so significant that yes, any human being would fall down if they were in his presence. But because of the good news of Jesus Christ, we can be made right with the perfect God that you can actually receive his grace and forgiveness and turn to him rather than away. And that's what I want to encourage you to do this morning is to turn to him to not look for ways to skip out on what he is doing today, but to spend time with him in his presence. Do you believe that his presence is with us as we've gathered here this morning? I mean, it'll freak you out if you really think about it. Like, do you really believe that the God that created the universe is here with us right now? He knows your actions before, during, and after this moment. That he loves you unconditionally. That his grace is sufficient for you. That his forgiveness is for you today. We had the saying when we started the church, come as you are, but don't stay there. You can come in just as you are. It's a hospital for sinners, but the hospital isn't the place you go to spiritually die. It's not the morgue. You go there to heal, to change, and never be the same again. To become the devoted follower of Jesus he created you to be. I want to encourage you too, that good news is for everybody and it unites people. One of the things I wanted to share this morning that even our leadership isn't aware of yet, we were talking with the staff over the last week or so here just about, uh, we have tried to do everything for our church. For those who are online who feel more comfortable with that or attending from different parts of the country. And I really want to encourage you. I forgot to do this earlier. We take this so seriously. If you have not gotten on your phone right now, you need to do this. Get on your phone, turn the volume off, and share this live service right now, and you'd never know the life that may be impacted. Do you know that every time we announce something like that, we see either people come to Christ or the greatest attendance we've ever had. So this is the one time we're doing one service outdoors. We wanted to set an online attendance record. So help me out here. Get your phone out, share this either from mercyroad.tv or Facebook Live or YouTube Live, and you never know a life you may impact. But we've been doing that for many people at, at home, and that takes a lot of work and effort. And then we've been doing live services on top of that, like we've been doing for years, but we've added three services now online. Well, we're going to take it a step farther. We, right now, as we've launched out northeast and these uh, northwest and downtown, and we're praying about Anderson, Madison County area, launching the fourth Compassion Church up that direction. As we do all of those things, I, I want to encourage you, we still have a heart for the gospel here in Carmel and the greater Indianapolis, North Indianapolis area and up into the northern part of Hamilton County. And that uh, we want to reach everybody and that this good news of Jesus unifies us. 
So uh, beginning next week, this is happening quickly, beginning next week, we are still offering three services, and the, the 10, 15, and 11, 30 service will be just like we have been doing, following all the, the, the legal uh, mandates by the government governor when it comes to the way that we do our services. But for many of you who are more cautious, we have been very, thank you for your patience during this time. At this point, all we have offered is our online service. But for those who are a little more cautious, we are going to begin to designate the 9 a.m. service to those who are more cautious, meaning that we want everyone out of the goodness of their neighbor to wear a mask at that service. Now, some of you may not, that may not be your preference. You could still have 10, 15, and 11, 30. See, I believe the good news of Jesus is for everybody, and we should be unified during these times, not divided. And so we're going to keep giving options to try and help people. That's really the heart of it. So I just wanted to share that really quickly, because if we're talking about that, we need to stop hiding our face. One of my concerns is that for many of us, we have different things in this year we're concerned about. And if you have anything that we could help with, that was a suggestion of someone who hadn't been to a service out of cautiousness because she had some health concerns for her family. And she didn't do it out of anger. She just said, I'm fine if you don't do this. But I just thought, what if just the 9 a.m.? We want to be, bring the good news to everybody wherever you're at. And you don't have to be afraid of him and what he might do during this time. You see, the second point I want to say is that he hears your cries and he's coming to rescue you. That's the goal of us as followers of Jesus. Do you know what happens in verses 7 through 10 in the Exodus story? Which, by the way, the story of the Exodus is often used as an analogy of the salvation that Jesus brought in the New Testament. But in verse 7, it says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. By the way, 400 years they've been there enslaved, growing to as many as 100,000 or more. Hebrew people enslaved there in Egypt. We think it's been a rough year. 400 years. And he says, I've, I've heard their cry and I've shown up to rescue them at this opportune time. And what the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good as during all those hundreds of years, they had grown wildly during that time. And, and they will be given the promised land that they were entrusted with early on. And it says again in And verse 8, again, he says, So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, so now I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. You know how the rest goes. Charlton Heston shows up there. Let my people go. And we had a big spiritual moment when Moses will be used by God to, to transform so many lives. But in this passage, it all hinges on that God is the one who rescues. He is the one who hears your cries. And if you have been hurt, you've been struggling with depression, you feel alone, I want to encourage you. We are here for you as a church during this year. We want to get you professional resources to walk through that with devout followers of Jesus. And, but we also want you to hear that God hears you and sees you, and he's using the body of Christ to impact a world that needs it today. If you feel overwhelmed, you've been thinking of quitting your job or your marriage or your family, we want you to know we hear you, we see you, God hears you, and he is here for you. As we sang earlier, he is not against you. And because of the work of Jesus, you no longer have to hide your face from him. 
That as it says in Psalm 147.3, that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Some of you today need to let him do his job. And you've been avoiding it. I've been there. The hurts that you got from your life, it's easy to get jaded. You don't have to run from him. You can run to him. And for those of us that have felt like we have to kind of stick our heads in the sand during this time, I also want to encourage you that God, in all our different capacities of our responses to this year, that he could use each of us, that we could make an impact with our life for such a time as this. In fact, I believe that we as followers of Jesus need to come fully alive in Christ. And beginning next weekend, we are starting a six-week teaching series set called Time to Live Again. And we're going to do something really simple. Do you know that God talks a lot about this? In the the letter to the Colossians, Paul writes about becoming fully alive in Christ. And so we're going to study verse by verse the chapters of Colossians for the next six weeks together. And there's a beginning, uh, not next Sunday, but the Monday after. You can even get text or get online and get daily devotionals Monday through Friday to go with a study through Colossians. We want followers of Jesus today to become fully alive, that it's time to start living again and not be fearful of what God could do. He chooses to use a murderer in this case to set his people free, to change Moses' story. I believe he can change yours as you come as you are, but don't stay there. Number three then from this passage, God is... God is, and that is, is an important word. God is sufficient for your needs. See, sometimes we we think that God is very distant. He's not near. He is far, and he just doesn't care. See, the, the gospel is that because of the work of Jesus, his presence is always with us. It's not like the Old Testament anymore. We don't have to question it. He is with us, and he's coming in to intersect us right in our lives. Look what verse 11 to 14 says here in Exodus, that he was sufficient then, and he is sufficient now for us. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Because he's questioning God. He's like, you understand, I'm a stutterer. You remember that? He has to have his, his own brother speak for him because he can't do it. He's like, yeah, you don't know who I am, God. Are you going to use me? I, I killed somebody. I've overseen some awful things. And then I can't even speak in front of people. Verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you. That is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people up out of Egypt, you will worship God on the mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to, to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? This is the only time in all the Bible God explains uh, the significance theologically of his name. Do you know that God has a name? Anytime you see in the Old Testament the word the Lord in English, the the Old Testament wasn't written in English. It was written in ancient Hebrew. And and the word there isn't the Lord. The word is actually his physical name. That They would write with four letters. It was called the Tetragrammon. And it was uh, Yahweh is how we would say it in English today. But out of uh, uh, reverence for him, the Israelites would not say his name out loud. In fact, when they would read it, they would refer to him eventually as Adonai, which meant the Lord. And so that's why we translated as Lord there in the New Testament. But he says, what, what shall we call you? Look at verse 14. I know it's not on a screen today, but in your Bible or on your phone or online, you can see it. God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
This is what you are saying to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you should call me from generation to generation. He says, I I want you to know that in my very name, I want you to know my power and authority. See, what he essentially says there is, I am that I am, meaning that he is always present. Some scholars would say he is, you ready for this? Always ising, meaning he is never in, he is in the past, the present, and the future, but he is always present at all times. So that when you wonder where he is, well, he was there in the past. We know Jesus is going to return in the future, but where is he today? He is present with us. It's his name. And everything that we're facing, the the scholar John Durham says it like this, it's not meant to be conceptual, being in the abstract, but active being is the intent of this reply. It is a reply that suggests that it is inappropriate to refer to God as was or will be, for the reality of this active existence can be suggested only by the present, is or ising, always is or am. Maybe that's a little deep for you on the birthday bash, but I wanted to set the tone this morning that the Bible teaches us unique things about the presence of God. He is always present with us. He's gone nowhere in 2020. And his Holy Spirit is is ministering to people long before we ever come to this place together. He sees you where you are. And he made that known to Moses there with the burning bush. He is always present at your time of need. He's not going to leave you like your father did or your spouse did or your kids have done or your parents have done. He's not going to turn his back on you because of decisions that you made. His love, agape in the New Testament love, is unconditional at all times. It is present for you today. And... And as we apply that to our individual lives, we have seen that be true for our church. When we announced, uh, it's almost two years ago now, that we were going to launch these four new Mercy Road churches going in four different directions, that we were going to attempt to raise $3 million over the next three years to do that, it, it sounded insane to all of us. And this morning, we may have the largest launch of any Mercy Road church, any church we've planted since we started out in Northeast. And yeah, and the locations are baptizing people. We're seeing new Christians made. And it's not because of an individual or somebody with a title. It's because of Almighty God and His presence. He is still moving with us today. And He is going to use you if you respond to Him. Just like with Moses, there took this repentance and submission to what He was doing in His presence. And when we moved here... All those years ago, we moved here 10 years ago, planted the church nine years ago, and my wife came from Southern California. We never dreamed any of this was possible. We just knew God called us to do it. And and I've had a very small role in a lot of what has occurred. We have seen God use many of you sitting out here to change the course of human history through your communities, workplaces, lives, spheres of influence. And if you are new here to the Mercy Road movement, we welcome you with open arms. There is no Mercy Road section of heaven when we get there one day. If you're here for two months or two years or 20 years, we celebrate all of it. We want to be about the move of Jesus Christ today. And, and the presence of God in that burning bush that, that Moses was fearful of, his presence is still that powerful today. 
it still moves today. And when we had 40 people, we shared this vision to reach a million people, make a million disciples for Jesus. It seemed crazy. And I want to tell you it's possible. And we've got a group of people from a number of churches that are going to be coming together this next spring to pray throughout the state of Indiana. You're going to be hearing a lot about it in the next six months to pray in every county in the state that a million disciples for Jesus would be made in our generation, in our lifetime. And I know that's a ridiculous goal. There's like 6.8 million people in the whole state. But do you know the power and the authority of God? He created all this in six days. He can handle what's going on. His grace is sufficient and enough for us. Point number four then. I want to respond then by looking at the New Testament to talk about the God of the living. We began with his presence with us today. And the fourth thing I want to share is that God is the God of the living, not of the dead. He's not just the God of the old people that we read about in the New Testament or the Old Testament. He is the God of the people present here. Yeah, you could say your name. He is the God of your life and of your life and of my life. And he's still moving and using people today. And I'm reminded of Mark chapter 12, verses 26 to 27, when it refers to this verse that we've just read. And it says this in verse 26. Now by, about the dead rising. You believe that one day Jesus will return and those who knew him will go to be with him eternally and that those who have received Christ upon their death, their, their soul, well, their spirit will go to be with God in heaven and one day there will be a, an actual resurrection when Jesus comes and puts the world right and because of the grace of Almighty God, not because of your works, but because he is sufficient in your life, you can spend eternity with him and you only have the short time on this planet to be used by him. He is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. And it says, verse 26, now about the dead rising, have you not read in the book of Moses in the account of the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He doesn't refer to them in the past tense. It says, he is not, verse 27, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. It means for those that have been lost in your life, they've passed away that they are living with Almighty God today. See, I lost a son when we planted the church. He, he lived two weeks, and he had a genetic disorder and passed. Many of you know his story. I don't believe, I, I want to be frank this morning, I, I don't believe that he has his bones in a casket today. I believe that he is with God Almighty. Because in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we are told he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. That your loved ones who knew Jesus go to spend eternity with him. That this is just the blip on the map, the dot in the long line of eternity. And that we will live with him one day eternally with him in his presence. And that like the robber on the cross who was crucified, Jesus turns to him and says, Today, not someday in the future, when you die today, you will be with me in paradise. You don't have to question it. You don't have to wonder about it. He is there with you. He is the God of the living. That's why in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, he said, We were therefore buried with him through baptism. You see, we went old school this morning. This is a horse trough. It's not heated. I know. It's, it's just an old horse trough that you sit down in it, and we're going to dunk you under the water. But you know what? It has the same effect. 
And we used this for years. And I've told the story many times on our second birthday bash when the first 12 people, the most people we'd ever baptized at one time got baptized. And I still to this day can't understand it, but the building we were in shook like there was an earthquake. I checked online. There was no earthquake because I came from California. I know how to check. I asked the engineers that owned the building because I didn't think there was, I thought there was something wrong with the building. They checked it out, nothing wrong with the building. I can't explain it tangibly today, but what I can tell you is I believe God was doing something in that moment that he sees, he is present, he is with us, and he's moving and he's active. And when those 12 people had demonstrated to people that they have been buried with Christ, they have died with him, and that they have embraced the God of the living to be raised with him eternally and that when they pass, they will go to be in his presence that have shook the very ground because of the presence of the Lord that was with us that day. You, you don't have to believe it. You may not be ready for that, but I'm telling you, I don't think that's kooky or out there. Look at the Bible and the way that the God moves throughout human history and he's still moving today. And COVID doesn't, you know, isn't going to stop him. The, the, the problems in our society, they need fixed, but it's, it's not going to stop. He is on the move today. And we should respond. Moses would submit. He would do the unthinkable. He didn't think like he could do it, but he would be used by God to leave the great exodus and do all the things that we read about. He could use you today. Again, Romans 6, 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If you believe in the God of the living, if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and his lordship in your life, if you repent of anything in your life that is obstructing your sight, your vision for what he would like to do, he, you don't have to question. His grace is sufficient for you. He forgives you. He embraces you. Like the young man that runs home to his father, he says, run home to me and I will wrap my loving arms around you. And the way that we show the local church today that we have fully surrendered our life to Jesus is to go through this act of baptism. And so we started with one this morning and that moved to two. And who knows, it might move to three or four or more. And I want to do two things as we close out. If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. And number two, if you have never followed him in the act of baptism to profess your, your faith to others, to, to be buried with him and risen again with him, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. It does not bring salvation. You can already receive that, but it represents the life that you want to live under his lordship. If you would like to be baptized after our prayer during this next song, just come down front right here. We, we've got right back here a, a free t-shirt for you and a towel and some things, and we'll show you uh, how you can get ready for that. You're like, dude, I, I don't I have a change of clothes. We'll baptize you in your clothes. It's cool. We've done it many times. And you will always remember it. And you'll remember that you're fully devoted to him. Let me uh, uh, close in prayer. We, actually, will you stand for this time? Why don't you stand up? And we're going to close in prayer together and just respond to what the Lord is doing. God, we thank you for every person that has come out sitting in the sun here today. They, they know that, that even though things are chaotic around us this year, your presence is with us. It is sufficient for us. Some of us, when we're in the presence of God, we're still trying to hide our face because we're ashamed or embarrassed of things in our life. You give us this beautiful thing to do to admit our condition before you, Jesus, to repent of our wrongdoing, to embrace your forgiveness in your life. 
If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. In this year, he is still on the move and he is living and active. And so I'm going to ask you to do something. With every eye closed and every head bowed, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, whether it's for the first time or you need to recommit your life to get right with the Lord and you begin to change and to live again for Jesus and become fully alive. If that's you today, he sees you, he cares with you, his presence is with us. And so on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Ready? One, Jesus loves you. Two, he's not done with you. Three, he welcomes you with open arms to his family. Raise it nice and high. I see the two of you, the, oh man, the five of you are to my right over here, the, the four or five back here in the middle, this person right here to my left. God sees it. I'm not going to have you do anything. Keep it nice and high so I can, I can see. I'm not going to have you do anything visibly in front of people, but I'm going to have you pray with me in just a second. I see the couple over here if I miss those. Okay, you can put those down. I just wanted you to do that. That's between you and God here this morning. Now I want you to pray this to him. God, on this day, September 13th, 2020, I surrender everything in my life to your lordship. I repent of anything in my life that's not of you. Forgive me for doing life another way. And on this day, I commit my life to you fully, Lord Jesus. And then again, with every eye closed, and, and thank you for those who just received and committed their life to Christ. He sees that. He's celebrating, and his angels in heaven celebrate. But maybe there's somebody here today who you know that you need to follow him in the act of baptism. You've never done it. You, you either just committed your life to Christ or you've never followed him in the act of baptism. In a moment, I'm going to have you come forward and we're going to pray with you and we're going to do it right here this morning. And so you're not going to do anything yet. We're going to pray together as a church family. You ready to do this? God, I know there is at least one person here this morning that needs to get baptized. They have never followed you with this act to represent they have been buried with you and risen with you. And this is the morning. They're going to change and they're going to begin to live for you. And they want to represent that to people. They already have salvation, God, but they want to serve you with their life. So if that's you here in the room, pray this with me. God, I'm going to follow you in the act of baptism. I want to die to anything in my life that's not of you. And I want to represent to my church family and everybody here that I love you with my whole heart. I'm committed. You are the God of the living. And I follow you in this act as you've commanded. We love you, Jesus. We give you this time. We pray this in your name and all God's family said, amen.